Welcome to the Action Shooting Show. Uh, it is me tonight. We have Mike Ford. Uh, hopefully someone else will jump on. I'm not really sure. Haven't heard much, but it's been a while since we recorded. And honestly, we wanted to, we wanted to get something in the books. There's been some stuff we want to talk about for a while. So um, uh, no matches, any major matches as of recently, but uh, we got a couple up in the pipeline. So we'll be definitely um, doing some more after actions. I know I've got a uh, Ellis's land nav match at the end of this month. Uh, me and Mike will be doing uh, the Cola Warrior. Uh, is that in June, Mike? Yep. Yep, June, and then July is the end of July's Guardian. So um, we got got a busy schedule coming up. So uh, tonight we've been wanting to do kind of a series on a topic for a while. You know, some of our episodes go long. We're going to try not to drone on with this one, but um. We want to talk about optics uh, for rifles and uh, or sighting systems, I guess I should say, for rifles. And a big part of what we want to talk about with that is um, we kind of want to go over the pluses and minuses of different stuff. Um, if have anyone, if you've shot for a while, there's not a there's not like a one answer that does everything perfect. Uh, you kind of have to figure out what you're doing with your gun, what you're going to be seeing and um and your eyes and just just a lot of different um things and uh with that we want to go over some of the pluses and minuses with it so um i've got my own thoughts um i've got some experience in some of this stuff and i'll kind of hit on what i know mike has uh, experimented a lot more he's shot a lot of different optic systems maybe more than i have i've been pretty well in the lpvo uh category for a while but um but uh we've both shot a lot of different optics so we're going to kind of tell you what we think the pluses and minuses and maybe give you some uh some information that you can do your own research and figure it out uh anything to add mike before we get started in this uh no we'll try to give everybody a, a brief overview of some of the pros and cons of the different sighting systems some of our experiences in match conditions and training and uh, we'll try to have fun yeah, awesome. Yeah, because um, you said all these, there can be a time that they're great and there can be a time that they suck. And shooting on a 25-yard range on a stationary piece of paper is probably not going to tell you that. So starting off, the first sighting system we're going to start with is as basic as it gets, and that's iron sights. Um, there certainly is a lot of different iron sight systems, so I don't think we're going to get too into the weeds on those. Um, you know, you can think of everything from like your Daisy, uh, you know, Red Rider, where you've got like a, kind of a, a V with a front post. Uh, I think more what we're talking about with a rifle, and I think what you'll more see on most rifles that would be used in like an action shooting sport would be some kind of post and like uh, aperture in the back. So think like what a, a M4 has, or um, or not M4, but M16 or the um, HK or, you know, a lot of these traditional military guns have a round circle in the back that you're looking through and you're centering up a, a front sight post. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of start off because uh, me and Mike shot this actually at uh, Heartbreak this year. They had an irons only division and we both shot that. So some of this is fresh. Um, some of the pluses and minuses. Um, right off the bat, it, the biggest minus is you got to have fairly good vision because um 
it the further the target away is, it's harder to see. You have absolutely no magnification with this system. So that would right off the bat be a, a pretty big minus. Um, for me, the plus is they're very simple. Uh, iron, very robust. Uh, you can break iron sights, especially if I see a lot of the Magpul backup sights being run sometimes even as main sights or, um, you know, the flip-up sights and stuff like that. There's definitely room for things to break there. But, um, you know, a good set of, you know, uh, a carry handle rifle with a front sight post, like, it's pretty robust. If you if you bust those sights off, it probably would have busted off any optic you had, you know, if it's if it's well made. So um, the robustness is certainly uh, good. Uh, me and Mike were talking before it started. Uh, weather, rain, and stuff like that, you're not going to get fogged up optics. Now, you could in mud. You could get mud on your front sight or your rear aperture that you would have to be able to clean out. But but generally, they're they're pretty immune to the the weather, and um, I'd say once you get practiced and you you know you get your rifle set up for you and everything set up, it's it's pretty quick to shoot. Um, I don't know that it's does it better than iron or red dots or LPVOs or anything like that, but I'd say it's a very serviceable optic that um, that works that works well. Um, how about Mike? What what do you got to add? So brushing on iron sights, you're going to see quite a bit of variation depending on what rifle you choose to run. Some of the older uh, mil surplus bolt guns will either have a ghost ring aperture style or possibly a traditional uh, post front and notch rear. Now one advantage that you see in a lot of these military weapons is there's some sort of DDC or drop compensation. But those are often very generalized. You are not going to see uh, the kind of BDC results that you might see out of a magnified optic. So, um, you know, they were probably tuned for whatever load the, the military contract was expecting to be fired out of that weapon. And you may or may not have access to that same round and similar BDC. We also know that that varies from where you're at in uh, elevation um, humidity and temperature. Now, granted, with iron sights, you're working on minute of man or minute of running gun target. So you understand those uh, limitations and can work around them. So that's kind of one consideration. They do excel when you're shooting in rain, snow, when you would be getting uh, water or some sort of obstruction. They are not... Uh, bulletproof though you can get mud you can get snow in those uh sighting systems that would obscure them just like it would a uh, modern optic so you still have to take care of those iron sights they do fail one thing that i see a lot of with irons is they've got moving parts so small screws fasteners nuts and you can see them come loose it matches uh you can see them you know get hit or drift so you need to really make sure that you have things witness marked lock tighted and set up to give you success um let's see trying to think if there's any other good follow-ups to go with that ryan uh, you think of anything 
Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go on, and this is, I guess, an aside. Uh, some of these rifles um, are fairly, especially those military, are fairly generous with those sights because some of those, you know, if you're thinking like the ladder sights, you know, some of them go out to distances that uh, with with your vision, it's it's pretty much area effective fire. You know, if you think of some of these old, like you can take that ladder sight up to like 1,200, 1,500 meters or whatever it's on there. And uh, I mean, I I don't know what most people can see it at 1500 meters but if it's not a house it, it's going to be pretty hard to to aim at but yeah i mean as mike's saying there um there's still there's still things to break there's still things to do um good shooters can definitely make hits um with the right sighting system with the right post and and all that i mean uh the guys are shooting nas- national match and uh you know getting their positional and they're hitting you know holding really good you know, minute of angle under two minute groups with, um, with iron sights at a thousand yards. So it's obviously they're, they're very usable, but, um, I guess maybe the main point of that is like, you should probably learn it. I think it's a good skill to have, but, uh, I, I would not recommend this as your main sighting system. Is that pretty fair to say, Mike? Yeah. And unless you're looking for some sort of fun challenge, which it certainly can be, uh, just kind of be realistic with the the results that you're expecting from it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. But if you're a good shooter, and um, I think we shared a heartbreak, I mean, Mike came in fourth overall in shooting at heartbreak this year, shooting iron sight pistol and iron sighted rifle. Um, that's not with all the iron between all the iron sights people. That is people with magnified optics with red dot pistols with everything so um a good shooter is going to shoot well regardless of the sighting system but um my guess is that uh mike probably would have gained a couple more positions with his normal with his normal gear because <laughs> yep there's there, there's a lot of advantages with more modern technology so um yeah absolutely learn it um if that's your only rifle and it's got irons on irons on it like get good at it you know don't 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 just sit it in the safe and feel like, well, until I get XXX optic, I shouldn't go out and practice. Like, no, a lot of the skills that you learn with irons, they just they just translate over and, and vice versa. I mean, Mike's not shot irons for years, you know, so the skills he gained shooting a scope, shooting a red dot transferred back to irons pretty quickly, you know. Oh, uh, one thing I was going to touch on real quick before you leave irons is you need to understand how parallax comes into play um because parallax and a scope it kind of shows you get shadow uh, is you're not in a sweet spot you can see a variation to the left or right a red dot you'll see it kind of projection and it might be a little bit to the right left up down depending on where you're at with the parallax irons do not show you parallax quite as easily so if you go and you're trying to hit a six-inch plate at 50 yards, even though you might want to be in your large uh, uh, aperture on like an AR-15 because it's faster for your transitions, you might actually want to switch to your small because that's going to help uh, center you behind the, the optical sighting system, and it's going to help uh, combat some of the parallax issues that you're going to experience that you're not quite used to addressing 
uh, with your other more modern optic sighting systems. Yeah, a- absolutely. And um, that's a good transition, actually, because we're the next thing we're going to talk about is um, red dots. So your traditional red dot optic, uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, we're not talking about a, um, a laser. So I, I've heard more than one person you talk about red dot, and they're thinking of like, some kind of laser that mounts to the gun that shoots a visible laser out at a target, you know, in space. What we're talking about is usually a, it's a box typically enclosed on a rifle, not all the time, but um, it's projecting an LED. It's, it's projecting a light out into space. And then there's a piece of glass that that's projecting onto. So the reason I explain it like that is because with a lot of red dots, parallax is either non-existent i mean there's always some kind of parallax but it's it's so non-existent that you really don't have to worry about it so with your iron sights you know you're trying to get that front post in like the back of the aperture you know if it's a if it's that kind so you want that centered perfectly inside that circle well with a red dot the way that they're designed as long as that red dot is touching the point you want to shoot it doesn't matter, you know, if my screen here is the um, target, it doesn't matter if I'm in the lower left-hand corner, the upper right hand, left hand, the, you know, any of those. If my dot is on that target, no matter where the dot is in the window, you should be getting your hits because it's kind of projecting out into space, if, if that makes sense. Is that a good way to explain it, Mike? Uh, yeah, that's uh, a pretty close to true. I believe there was a study by uh, uh, one of the military <clears throat> units because they were comparing parallax and uh, holographic like EOTEX against some of the aim point optics. And they <clears throat> did see that there was some parallax shift. I believe this was uh, uh, to deal with night vision and, and uh, different positional shooting that you might experience in combat. And there is some parallax it's just greatly reduced through a red dot or holographic compared to your other sighting systems so people say parallax free it's not parallax free but it is certainly more forgiving and for a lot of the close range stuff that we're doing at run and gun it's not something you're going to have to worry about yeah, absolutely. And I and I think I said that there's not that there's zero parallax. I mean, in principle, that's what they say. But yeah, in reality, there could be some. But as Mike said, you know, if you've got a so, you know, uh, red dots are one X, there's no magnification to it. Um, we're kind of still where we're at with iron sights in that we're still relying on our vision to see what we're shooting at, see the whatever size dot. Um, if we're talking about holographic, sometimes there's a, you know, a reticle. Whatever we're aiming with in that, we're, we're relying on our eyes and that to to see that. So um, so as Mike said, you know, at 25 yards, if we're shooting paper really fast or shooting, you know, a generous size target, the little bit of parallax in there is just it's 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 not going to happen. You know, it's not going to affect your your shooting any. Um, and I would even venture to say, like, if you're sitting down. I don't know. Maybe we should do this sometime, Mike. So if you're sitting down shooting groups at 25 yards and you got that dot, you know, and you kind of go all four corners of your your optic, uh, I'm going to guess that group is probably 
the difference in parallax is probably going to be within the acceptable accuracy of your ammo, if that makes sense. So right. I, I, yeah, you're you're just not. Yeah, there's parallax, but at at the distances most people are shooting red dots, you're really not going to see it. Um, I guess if you're doing some precision shooting and you're getting out further, the important takeaway from that is try to put that dot, you know, when you can in the center of the window. I mean, I, I don't think anyone teaches red dots as being a um an excuse to just like shoot the dot when it's wherever, but, but that is an advantage to it that, that you don't have to have things quite so lined up. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mike, I I guess go on, kind of explain, um, some of the, the benefits then of why, like why are, cause red dots are really, really popular, especially on ARs. Um, I see them a lot in the running gun community and, um, you certainly see them in like the self-defense, the, uh, the military kind of world, you know, the cool guys on Instagram with plate carriers and stuff, maybe explain what some of the, uh, advantages that, that they like. All right. So some of the pros and, and I'm kind of going to generalize into quality red dots. Um, your bargain brand red dots may or may not have some of these benefits, but, one thing that you normally get with a quality red dot is good daylight uh, visible reticle. So even if you're out there at the range in the blazing sun in July, you can uh, turn it up and you'll still have a sighting system that you can see that's not getting washed out. So that's uh, one nice benefit. The uh, limited effect of parallax can be very nice for rapid engagement, especially shooting around or through ports under cars um you get the benefits of good two eye open uh shooting which a lot of us do with magnified optics but some folks uh they they can't really do it their brain won't function that way and they'll have to close an eye most people shooting red dots don't have that issue uh modern red dots generally have a really good field of view so this is great for target transitions tracking uh Uh, maybe movers or uh, keeping uh, an eye on what's going on around you. So that's another benefit. Now with the kind of more forgivable parallax, one of the things that you get, which is a nice added benefit, is let's say you're shooting in the rain, snow, or mud, and something gets on your optics lens. For like a LPVO or something, that could be a major issue if it's in the, the center. Well, if you're running a a red dot that has a a fairly large window to it, you could theoretically just shift your head and look and use the red dot in an area of the optic that's not obscured. So that could be a a major benefit in a match condition because we know that match weather varies a lot. Sometimes we're swimming, sometimes we're freezing, and uh, sometimes we're just covered in, in mud. So that's kind of an advantage that you see in, in uh, the different red dots you can use. There's a lot of styles. You have the uh, more square, larger windows of something like the Holosan, the loophole optics that are, are great. You have some of the more traditional tube styles like your old school aim point. So you can kind of choose your sweet spot. One of the great things with red dots is you don't really have to worry about eye relief. 
So you can mount that in a lot of different positions on your rail and then choose uh, the optic body, the red dot body that you like. Maybe something small like uh, Aimpoint T2. Maybe you like uh, something with a little bit larger body like Aimpoint Pro. Or, again, if you want something like some of the uh, Leopold or uh, Holosun squared windows, depending on where you put that on your receiver, you can change uh, what's being obscured downrange in your field of view. So that's kind of a nice feature as well. One thing, even though you don't have eye relief issues really with these, I do not recommend mounting red dots out on your handguard. Even though free float handguards do help free float the barrel, you can output pressure on and deflect a lot of these thin aluminum handguards. And so if you're uh, shooting against a barricade or or uh, maybe uh, uh, a barrel or something, you can actually uh, change your point of aim, point of impact, and give yourself problems. So I generally recommend you keep your, your red dot mounted on your receiver. There's a lot of different red dot mounts that you can use too, uh, from your standard height to lower one-third which that lower one-third, if you're running backup irons, essentially uh, if you're looking at the irons through the red dot instead of being in the center like your traditional standard height, it puts it in that lower uh, one-third of the window. So it's a little bit more heads up. Your irons won't obscure your, your uh, view down range of your dot. So that's kind of a nice benefit. And then there's also mounts for the 193 or even higher uh, if you're running uh, nods and uh like having that skyscraper high uh, mount. So that's just a lot of uh, some the benefits and quirks and stuff. Uh, cons, I don't know if Ryan's ready for me to get into cons yet, but you... No, let me... Uh, okay. Yeah, let me um, let me do a couple more uh, kind of uh, hit in on the pros. Um, so one thing Mike mentioned is barricades. Um, that's one thing I've really noticed with red dots is um, if you're shooting... Let's uh, you know VTAC. We see a lot in competitions. They're a pretty good analogy for a lot of different weird shooting positions you may get into in the real world. Um, with an LPVO, uh, getting on the ground, especially um, that's where I really notice it. Getting the gun low, it can be really hard to get your head and eyes and shoulder and everything and get a good sight picture with an LPVO. Um, it's a lot easier with a red dot. Because, again, as long as you got the dot, you can see the dot, and you can see on the target, it kind of doesn't matter where it's at in that window. Um, so I, I would definitely say that that's a big benefit. Uh, Mike's talking about the configurability. You can move dots up, down, left, right a lot easier. And um, I don't know that we kind of mentioned it, but they tend to be a very light system. So um, I'm not one that really cares about the weight of my guns, for, but... I can see that as some people are, there may be reasons that you want a really light gun and a red dot is really, I mean, you can get some pretty small red dots that in, in mounts that, you know, they're adding a cup, you know, very few ounces to the gun and get it, get, do a really good job. So, um, that for those people looking for like a real lightweight rig for whatever your goal is, that's a pretty easy way to to do that is is with a red dot. So um, that that's um you know there's there's that's the the pros to it. Um, 
Mike, I, I guess a few I'll, more pros real quick. Okay, and then and then you can go into the cons, and then if you miss anything, I'll I'll kind of toss it into. All right, quick. Uh, a couple of pros is red dots make really good secondary sighting systems for your uh, LPVOs, your MPVOs, or higher magnification optics, and they also work real great for uh, sometimes awkward position shooting. So. Uh, I see a lot of these set up on 45 offsets. That's pretty common. And then something that's gained more traction is where they're running a piggyback or 12 o'clock high over the primary optic. And that's fantastic for night vision, a little bit more of a heads-up shooting. Uh, when you're running a 45, the optic, your primary, can kind of obscure your field of view and your non-dominant eye. So if you're running 12 o'clock high, because you're kind of in a heads-up position and it's over your primary optic, that opens up your field of view left and right for faster transitions, a little bit more awareness. And then that piggyback dot is also fantastic for night vision use as well. So And um, and, and gas mask, as we found out at, uh, last year and, at Wolverine, it, that yeah. having a, a 12 o'clock dot was was pretty clutch for that. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's pretty cool because something that I discovered with some of my vision limitation is when you put a dot at 12 o'clock high, when you roll the gun, uh, let's say you're a right-handed shooter, right-eye dominant, which describes most of the, the shooting world. If you have to go to a stage and shoot off your weak side or your left shoulder, you just have to roll the gun uh, at a 45 and camp that top 12 o'clock piggyback optic right in front of your dominant eye. And then you, you're still shooting with that dominant eye, both eyes open, uh, so you're not kind of have to squint or close one dealing with eye dominance issues. So that's kind of another benefit, too, that a lot of people don't realize until they've played with it. So, yeah, red dots make excellent secondary sighting systems. Absolutely. So, um Let's go into some of the negatives because um, obviously they're not the only option, and there's there's some reasons you may not want to run them. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into the negatives. Probably the number one is no magnification for long range. You uh, don't get any assist to try to help you uh, with your holds which can be a big negative. And depending on the size uh, of your dot. That, that We can't completely say that because we're talking about holographics too. And I, I think some of the um, uh, EOTech's holographics do have reticles with um, different holds on them. Okay, yeah, that's true. And so, uh, so Sun and Primary Arms did come up with a few that had some sort of BDC. But you yeah. also need to understand that using a BDC on a one-power optic is, mm. when you get out there at distance, you're playing area effect game. So yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that it's a quick way to get hits. Uh, one thing you need to understand, too, is uh, how a magnifier plays with that. And um, a nice thing with holographics is a magnifier, the reticle stays... Uh, the true size 
but my understanding is when you throw a magnifier behind a uh, dot, then the the size of your dot for like an aim point, your traditional red dot, grows as well. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a first focal plane scope basically. So your dot, if it was one MOA and it's a three X magnifier, you've got a three MOA dot now. Um, right. Well, that would be the the uh, yeah. holographic. The holographic would be if you use a three X magnifier, you're not since it's a one M. Let's say it's a one MOA center dot. It would still be a one MOA center dot with the yeah yeah yeah. No, you didn't you didn't hear me. I said so. If it was a one MOA dot on your red dot, and you threw a three X magnifier, you now have a three three MOA dot on it because it's 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 making that dot three times bigger yeah yeah okay yeah so, yep, yeah that's a, a consideration um so long range with the red dot i've seen um, guys it, it matches do decent but at the same time you really have to understand the limitations of long range with it yeah you have to have good vision i, I this is an aside because and this is not strict red dot so we maybe we should have mentioned this. There's also etched reticles that are one X. So this would be more of a traditional scope style reticle, usually illuminated, typically daylight bright. Um, some of those, as Mike kind of said, like I know if Vortex makes a couple that they do have holds like a BDC or a mill or something yeah. inside there. And I believe at least one of Vortex's, I'm sure others, they have models actually with like a, a elevation turret. That you can, um, I don't know if it's BDC or if it's just MOA or uh, Mills or what, but I believe you can actually adjust that, dial that like you would dial a scope. So um, I, I would definitely say it's still a con, like Mike's saying, because we're trying to shoot three, four hundred yards and we're not really seeing any better than iron sights. Um, with some iron sights, you've got like drums and stuff you can adjust that. With some red dots, you have ways to kind of. Um, adjust to where you're not just doing Kentucky windage like a strict red dot but um, as Mike said it's it's still kind of a con they're not you're, you're giving up a lot of performance when you do that so if, if you do are, are like running like a limited division where it's got to be 1x um, you have some options for long range but like Mike said you're you're still seeing a 400 yard target you know 12 inch target at 400 yards is is awful teeny <laughs> yep so, uh, yeah, so let's see. I was long range uh, is a con. Uh, battery life is going to vary. It depends. There's a few red dots that are floating around there that are tritium and fiber optic powered. Some of the old school uh, Trigicon and Meprolite. One thing you need to know with those is normally, oh, and RMRs. Uh, there's they're still making RMRs like that. And one thing you need to know with those is there is a very deep dark tent. So to make those dots show up, they had to put a dark blue tent, and that it helps the dot show up. But if you're shooting at low light, um, it can definitely affect your visibility and uh, working with night vision and stuff too. So, and and those and those fiber optics, um, not to talk over you. Those fiber optics in the in bright light can be 
uh, blazing, like distractingly bright. Um, I know we've actually yeah. showed people the trick. You can put like electrical tape on top of that kind of input to adjust them if it's if it's got something like that, or you know some of them may have a way to adjust that. But um, they they can be too much at times. <laughs> Yeah, yep, and I can go into some of that because you're seeing most of those in the prism, the fixed power prisms. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll I guess so we'll touch on that more. We'll, we'll touch on that some more. So, uh, yeah, cons, batteries, and uh, no magnification. That's really your your biggest cons with red dots, I would say. Uh, yeah. Obviously, if you don't have good battery life or you have a cheaper red mm. dot you can get them washed out in bright light and like a july uh range uh trip if you got a let's say it's a white painted steel and uh it's a cheaper red dot or your battery's running low you might not be able to turn it up where it's really bright enough to pop against a light mm. background another thing to consider with red dots is uh stigmatisms it can take your red dot and make it look like a semicolon or uh, a giant starburst, and it'll vary from person to person. So we're then uh, it'll vary from brand to brand. I've looked through the whole sun, and the dots are not as crisp for me as an aim point. And uh, the aim point and the uh, the others are not as good for me as like a holographic like an EOTech that that center points even better for my eyes so that's something you have to consider as well some people that doesn't bother them but certain people have not having a good perfect round can drive them crazy another thing to consider is the size of the dot that you pick really affects the accuracy for a uh, centerfire rifle which we're kind of focused on rifle I would pick a 2MOA dot or uh, maybe like the EOTech reticle where you've got uh, the donut of death with a finer center aiming point. Because if you pick something like a, a 4, a 6, or an 8, you will start obstructing the target that you are trying to aim at. And with matches throwing some finer uh, targets out there, you might have a problem. One little trick, though, to help with... Uh, the red dot reticle and zeroing is when you go to zero if you turn it down and dim it till you can just make it out all over the target you can kind of see through the that dot and just kind of place the bullseye in the center of it so that can help with zeroing i see a lot of people try to zero with the red dot brightness turned up too much and they struggle to get a good fine refined zero yeah, so um, I'll, I'll kind of throw in the opposite of that kind of trick is if you've got a lot of really close um, targets, like we'll say burner things that don't take a real refined um, sight picture, and depending on the size of your dot, maybe it was a real busy background and it's, you know, getting lost. Uh, sometimes you can turn that dot up as, you know, as brighter than what you need and the red dot almost, what they call it, blooming where it's mm -hmm. like really, really bright, um, that that may help it show up in a situation where normally it, it wouldn't. So um, that that's kind of the opposite of that trick. You know, Mike's saying, so for fine, you want it real, you know, generally you want it as low as you can have it. And the idea with the red dot is you're looking at the target. You're, I, I guess we really missed that, or maybe you said it not the same way. 
with a red dot, you can be very, very target focused, which um, which can be a, a big benefit. So, um, yeah, being able to have that dot just bright enough that when you bring it up, you can see see it, but not so bright that it's distracting is kind of normally how you want to set it. But sometimes you can use that bloom bloom to your advantage. Um, I'll kind of go into a little bit more. You know, Mike talked about battery life. Um, you know, some of these are solar powered. Actually, have solar panels that run it, and um, some of them have batteries that you can leave them on for two or three years and they last. Besides for dead batteries, the other thing here is that most of these, if it's not a next reticle, is um, these are mechanical devices. These are electronic devices, so they can just die. I mean, if they get a good hard hit, they can die. If they get wet, they can die. Um, or you could get a bad battery that sends out too much electricity and fries it out. Um, like most gun stuff, if you buy a good quality one, you know, we're talking EOTX, the aim points, the Trigicons, um, some of the higher ends of like Vortex probably even fall into that. But if you buy a good one, you're, you're probably not going to have a, have it die. You know, I don't want to make it sound like it's just a huge problem, but anything electronic, anything like that, they, they can die. Your battery can you know, wasn't made right in the factory and loses energy too quick or, you know, whatever it is. So um, they, it's probably good to have a spare battery. Usually it's good to have backup sites in general. So um, these are still um, electronic things that can not last. So um, that would be, be a, um, another disadvantage, you know, now we talked briefly about etched reticles with an etched reticle. If your battery dies, the electronic parts die, now you just kind of have a 1x scope with your your reticle inside of it. So um, there, you don't get the benefits of the uh, near parallax free of a red dot with an etched reticle, but um, you do you do get some some other benefits with that. So if you're wanting a run x and um, you're worried about that for some reason, or um, you're really not good at keeping up on batteries and stuff like that, etched reticle is is um, maybe the option there. So uh, I think Mike briefly mentioned, and I guess we'll just make a quick pass at it, but um, you can get magnifiers for your red dots. So those typically are on some kind of arm that would swing over in front of the red dot or swing off when you're not using it. Um, some people will talk about, well, that's this is a good way to get, if you've got some shooting to do at a further distance, you know, you swing that in, you swing it back. Um, that, that can help you to see better. Um, as we kind of mentioned, you're magnifying the dot too, unless it's an EOTech or like the holographic, the, uh, couple downsides we'll briefly mention. And, um, cause me and Mike talked about this before I we went on the air. Eye relief in most of them is really, really poor. You, you've got to really, you've lost that benefit of the red dot now because now you have to have a specific eye relief. And, um, usually they're not, they're they're a lot worse than a um, like a LPVO or something like that. Uh, they do add some weight, so again, now you've lost the advantage of um, the light red dot. And I I don't think either of us have used much of the newer ones, but the older ones, the glass quality was really not that great. So I I've used one at one match um, a long time ago. Mike's had a little bit more experience out in recent years, but um. I would kind of say that uh, 
I don't know that it's an option I would recommend if that's your thing and red dots are all you have, like certainly buy one, like try it out. Um, I'm sure there are people out there that are yelling at their computer screens because they use a magnified red dot and think it's the bee's knees and it's the best. Um, I guess my argument would be if you're really using a, a magnifier much, you probably just want to either look at a um, magnified uh, like prism or uh, it's reticle, or you just want to look at an LPVO if you're if you're wanting to switch between one and magnified. So, a anything you want to add about that before we go on, Mike? Yep. So my experience with the magnifiers, I've used the uh, an older Burris one for a, a while in three gun and early running gun. Uh, I've got an EOTech one now, and then I've looked through some different uh, Vortex ones that matches. Generally, the oh, and aim point. The best glass quality was the EOTech and aim point, but there's a pretty steep buy in on those. Uh, you're adding, of course, weight and mechanical moving parts, and you actually have to zero or line up the magnifier to make sure that your reticle is centered in it when you use it. These often have limited eye relief, so you get into a pretty tight eye box. Uh, worse than LPVOs, uh, we're talking like four power ACOG. Uh, that is the charging handle type eye relief. And then also light transmission. You are setting up an extra set of lenses behind, and so uh, it can affect your, of course, optical clarity with the cheaper ones and light transmission as well. So I generally look at those, like I've got a magnifier on uh, my night vision rifle and it sits there as an option because uh, I can still use that rifle and I've used that rifle to make hits out to 550 yards uh, first round impact. So obviously the upper receiver can make those kind of shots, but it, it's really not something that I see myself doing. And for a night vision match, I would just flip the QD lever and pull it off. But it, it doesn't hurt to have. If you are not running night vision and using a red dot or holographic as your primary sighting system for 90% of your engagements, then I would strongly just go ahead and uh, suggest looking at a uh, LPVO. So they're functional, but they're not great, the magnifiers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, – now, again, this is one of those things, like, if you've got one and you use it and you and it works great for you, like, hey, we're not telling you don't use it. Um, I'm just saying – I think both of our opinion is that, like, if you don't have one, um, you know, your money is probably better spent elsewhere to fill that magnified role. So – that's a good segue into our next thing, which is um, prism sights and etched reticles of the magnified variety. Uh, so we're talking, uh, again, you have etched reticles, and like usually you're going to see the three and four range. Um, you may be able to get some in the 2X. I know they still make some in f uh, 5X, and you. I know there's a 6X, and, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, some of the, um, Trijicons, uh, don't they have like a 10x um, ACOG as well, Mike? Oh, am I? Am I, I don't. With a 
six X machine gun optic that I also believe the Brits used on their uh, one twenty nine DMR. Okay, I, I couldn't remember uh, how how high they went up, but there's a varying array of them. So this is um, so what what you lose, you know, we'll we'll start off. You you don't have the parallax or near parallax free that you have with the uh, red dot. Um, you still have a very simple sighting system. They're typically very lightweight, even uh, being magnified. And um, but now you're getting a little bit more um, vision, you know, so you got you can see things a little bit better further away. Um, being able to see the target to hit, it's important to be able to properly identify the target is important. So um, in a three gun match, a running gun match. If there's a target out there, generally it's okay to shoot. In life, in hunting, and whatever you're doing, um, not everything downrange is something that you want to shoot. So, um, you know, this is this is an aside, I guess. But I, I, there's a lot of people that I can hit a, I can hit a target at. You know, when I was in the military, I, I was hitting targets with iron sights at 600 yards, or my red dot at 600 yards. Okay, you know. How well could you identify that target at 600 yards? How well can you see that that is um, a bad guy or your wife or a good guy or, you know, friendly or a bad? You really, you know, most people's vision is not that good. So when you throw 3X on there, it gives you a little bit more visibility of what's going on downrange and what am I shooting? I think that's uh, the big, big benefit. Um, most of these still have, from what I've seen, pretty good um, – Ibox, you know, your your um obviously with the red dot near parallax free, your eye can be right up against it or really far back. Um, you don't get that quite as well, but you still get a pretty good vision um with them. So um I, I think that's the the two big ones. The um and, and like I said, this is the ACOG is probably the the king of of this kind of optic. You've got the electronic ones, you've got the tritium ones, you've got uh, the fiber optic ones. I mean, there's just just a they're super tough. I know, Mike, you just got one, so maybe you can tell us, fill in some more of the things that I missed on, like what what are the benefits of these uh, these kind of optics? Yeah, I can touch on some of this stuff. So the prisms were kind of the first very durable magnified optic that you saw issued to a majority of like an armed forces service branch. So obviously uh, durability is, is pretty awesome. So that's a, a huge benefit for the, the action shooting sports. The uh, one thing that you get with a fixed power optic is a lot of them have really good, the better quality ones I should say, have very good optical clarity. Uh, Trijicon is, is known for uh, just extremely good optical clarity on the ACOGs, excellent light transmission. And the primary arms ones have definitely come a long way from when Ryan and I first saw them and, and on friends guns and, and you know played around with them uh, five years ago, six years ago, to the, the ones that are coming out from primary arms now are, are just, yeah, they're, they're leaps and bounds ahead of where they were. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing is a lot of these uh, 
prisms, whether 1x, uh, 1.5, 2, 3, uh, 3.5, 4, 5, 6, there's a range. You can find something that's going to work for you, and a lot of them have some sort of BDC reticle option. Now, some of them are pretty generalized. Primary Arms does a pretty good job of having a few generalized uh, reticles that work pretty well interchangeably for, for different rounds. Are they going to be spot on for, let's say, your 6.5 Grendel? Maybe not. But if you know your holds and you do a little range time and maybe use a, uh, uh, a ballistic app, you can come up pretty close to where you need to be. Uh, Trijicon is probably the king of reticle options. They've got them for your 308, your 223, 14.5, 16-inch, 20-inch, different bullet weights. So you, you probably need to do a little research to make sure you're getting the one that's going to work best for you. But you can go with uh, maybe a donut of death or uh, let's say you want a finer aiming crosshair or for a lot of our vets that grew up uh, in their early shooting years running a Chevron, maybe they want to go to that. So that is uh, another benefit. Ibox varies quite a bit depending on the prism that you're dealing with. Uh, and, and some of that has to do with some of the decisions that were made to increase field of view. A lot of us are familiar with the uh, 4x32 uh, ACOGs that the military purchased. And so you see a lot of shooters that are running nose to the charging handle on ARs. And that was because that 4 power has a very tight box. I've got one of the modern battery-powered ACOGs, and it's a nose-to-the-charging-handle optic. The trade-off for that was to gain a wider field of view. When you go to the TA-11 series, which is a 3.5 power, you get a really darn good eye box. Uh, it, it's a lot longer, uh, in, I'd say comparable to some of the better uh, LPVOs out there. And there's a few other models that are really popular that are in that 3 to 3.5 three power that... Are, are pretty light. One thing that you do gain with the fixed prism is with mount, a lot of them are uh, less than 20 ounces. And uh, so probably the heaviest one would be the six power uh, ACOG or the TA-11, which is the three and a half power. And those are uh, probably the biggest of the prism optics. And all the other ones, you get to drop weight. So that's that's pretty cool if you're looking to save a few ounces. One of the things that's been a, a great thing for the prisms has been using uh, red dots as a secondary sighting system. Uh, a lot of the housings for these prisms now, whether it be Vortex or uh, I know that there's a push to try to get primary armors to do this, but Trijicon for a long time, is set up where you can mount a red dot, uh, a micro dot, as a uh, 12 o'clock top dot option. So for a lot of people who don't want to learn how to effectively use a LPVO, then, okay, buy a fixed power prism, and it's simple. You don't have to worry about, you know, am I zoomed in too much, too little, um, if it's second focal plane, it wears my holds at, when it's a six power optic and the BDC is for six power, but I'm at three. You know, all that stuff is is not a consideration with prisms. So it's definitely a little bit more of a KISS system. The illumination on uh, 
Prism reticles has come a long way. Some of the first ones were uh, just uh, a plain black reticle, or if it was a Trishicon product, it might be illuminated by tritium at night, but it wasn't a daylight bright color. The uh, adaption of fiber optics in the Trigicon line gave you an option to illuminate the reticle and to the point where you can actually over illuminate and we'll kind of touch on that in the cons but a lot of the uh the modern prism prism optics from uh, like Trigicon's popular models primary arms burris vortex and, and a few others out there are battery illuminated and you uh, don't really have to deal with reticle washout on the better ones. Uh, they're going to be as bright as an aim point or neotech for that July day where you're shooting in bright sunlight. The simplicity, durability, weight, there's a lot to like. Uh, if you're willing to understand that you are making some trade-offs, possibly in performance. Uh, I've, I've done pretty well with my prism and piggyback. I run one on a... Uh, uh, Arsenal AK, and I've even come away with uh, uh, long-range rifle stage wins with that little three-power and running a piggyback dot. So that that's pretty fantastic. Um, but again, know your equipment, know its limitations, and it'll it'll generally serve you well than having the the most amazing thing in the world and not knowing how to use it. So there there's some uh, pros. Sorry if I rambled on. And uh, I'll, I'll let Ryan toss a few things in there. Okay. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, actually, I was just, because I was curious, so I looked it up here while you're talking. Because um, I know uh, last year at Legion, we looked through one of the primary arms. It was the, I think it was the SLX micro prism. So that's a good example of like, that is a 3X um, prism scope it, or dot, and it is eight ounces with i think with the mount so that's that's a pretty compact little package now you're not getting a very big window on it which some people may or may not like and um i remember the ibox being pretty generous on that i, I thought it, it was pretty decent um not one you're going to mount a top dot on but um you know those those are that's a pretty solid um kind of package now in my experience and this is with shooting scopes and shooting red dots and you know all kinds of things i think that two to th three well two to four x i'll say is kind of the window you want to be in um i honestly think like 2.5 to three like if i was going to have a do all magnification uh that 2.5 to three i think is a pretty solid zone to be in um because yeah, you can absolutely. still you can shoot things up close, both eyes open, with a little bit of practice, and it's that image is not too zoomed up that it really messes with your brain much. Um, but you still have some, you know, magnification downrange. Um, I mean, I've got an old uh, Savage 99 that's got a scope on it. And it's a Weaver K3, fixed three power, you know, duplex reticle, whatever, you know, whatever rifle back in 1960, if it had a scope, that's what it had. And, uh, I mean, that's a nice, that's an awesome magnification range. So, you know, if I was going to pick one, uh, and I don't, they don't seem to make a lot of 2.5s, but I mean, 2.5 may be even better, you know, depending on what you're doing 
four four is workable and you see a lot of fours you you do start to get a little more zoomed in there to where like the piggyback dot may make some sense but um so the downsides um i'll kind of throw a couple and then we'll let mike mike finish that up um before we finish this episode up but um you you are possibly giving up some speed with the close range i mean a lot of people talk about red dots just being like a 1x red dot just being super fast to shoot um some people may be slowed down by having a little bit of magnification um there's still so depending on how they work there's some mechanical stuff in it like like most optics but um if you've got an etched reticle and the um illumination dies um you're giving up a little bit there but uh I, you know generally i think it's a it's a pretty solid solid choice uh i guess the one other thing is when we start going out further um 3x may not be enough you know i i know for my shooting i i normally even shooting lpvos i'm at like one and a half to two magnification on the low end just that's how i like it with my fir- first focal plane scopes when things start to get out to three, four, five hundred yards, um, I'll do get up to like five or six X. Um, it's a rare occasion if I get much more than six X, but um, there are times where getting up to six X, having that, you know, um, reticle a little bit larger and uh, just being able to see a little bit better can be a benefit. But um, with a kind of fixed power magnifier, magnified optic that's just fixed in one place you don't really have that option you're just whatever it is is what it is you know if it's 2.5 if it's four if it's three you're kind of stuck there and if you want to see a little bit better you're you're kind of out of luck i i think that's probably the biggest downside to that um so mike what what do you think uh what uh, what other downsides that i miss well i think you uh you you touched on it pretty well with you're fixed in a certain zoom range and uh and of course one thing you have to consider if you do the uh trigicon with the fiber optic is sometimes it gathers so much light it blooms out the reticle and so you know old school trick to to help with that is to take uh take like electrical tape or something and run it over the fiber like part of it and so it's not going to gather quite as much light. It'll make it a little bit more tolerable, and uh, that can help you out. Generally, if someone's very serious about shooting and wanting to shoot well, I'm not normally going to suggest a prism optic just because of the shortcomings with uh, not having a zoom range and and uh, stuff like that. But I would say that with modern prisms uh, between Trigicon and primary arms, and, and even I'll say Vortex in this, if you come to me with a budget, and this especially is a shout out to primary arms and Vortex for what they're doing, but if a, a shooter comes to me with a budget and wants to be able to have a good chance at making hits at maybe like a running gun or a three gun match, and uh, you know they, they can't touch uh, some of the the better LPVOs that have a reputation for durability and and stuff like that, it's much easier to get them into a good prism optic on a budget that's going to get them out to that three, four, five hundred yards where they have a good hit probability. 
and it'll be lightweight and durable. Uh, so, yeah, depending on where your budget's at, uh, obviously the Trijicon ACOGs are not necessarily a budget item. Some of the nil surplus ones that float around that uh, the tritium's dead, but it's still a very serviceable optic uh, could be had more at your budget-friendly prices. But uh, still, yeah, for, for new shooters, especially if, if they don't have a uh, have a, a chance to really learn how to shoot long range and, and work magnification ranges or or they just don't have the attention to put forth. The simplicity of a prism is, is hard to ignore. So, Yeah, I, I was going to say that. That, that, is the, that is the one big advantage, is that it is a very simple system. Um, I sometimes, uh, I know I've seen this in the run-and-gun group and some other, more in the run-and-gun group. I've seen some people when referring to LPVOs and talking about, like, what magnification range to be in and this and that, almost make it seem like there's a science to it. Um, like m- make it more complicated. Well, I like my fix because I, I, you know, I don't have time to figure out what magnification I need to be zoomed to and yada, yada, yada. So, um, there is something to be said about having a very simple optic that you don't have to put any thought into that. Like Mike said, new shooter. Um, I kind of looked some of the mag or some of the prisms, I mean, 250 to like 400 bucks can get you a very, very solid prism, you know, three X, uh, optic. So, that, that's hard to beat. There's not a lot of, uh, it'd be hard pressed for me to say under $400, a good like LPVO that I would put as, that would be as durable as that. You know, and there, there's some options that are that cheap, but uh, as far as like good quality, it, it's hard to get much cheaper than that. So um, the simplicity is definitely, definitely the benefit there. And um, I, I, I agree with all Mike's downsides too. I mean, they're, you're, you're giving up some things, but Maybe that's what you want, you know? It, it is simple. It is uh, easy for a new shooter. It's it's kind of less to think about. They can just focus on maybe they're, you know, if you're brand new, maybe just thinking about, like, worrying about fundamentals is, is what you need to worry about most and not even, a, you know, scope. Yeah, where you're zoomed really doesn't make a huge difference in a lot of things, but it's just one less thing to think about for you. Well, just, just get rid of that. So um, I do think uh, that that's, a big benefit to those. So um, I think we're going to stop here. I, I know I don't want to get too deep in this. And um, I think the next episode we do on this, we're going to talk about um, low powerable variable optics. So that's LPVO for short and medium powered variable optics, uh, MPVOs, which um, are getting a little more love lately. And uh, I know we have a lot to say about that. And I think those are good as their own episodes because there's t- there's a lot that can be said about them pros and, and cons. Um, so we're going to wrap this up um, again. Um, I would say whatever site system you use, we're trying to tell you what we've noticed is like good and bad things. Um, so people can make a good informed decision. They can get out there and think about what to practice. I mean, there are benefits to these that maybe people didn't think about or notice. And maybe there's some downsides that they just haven't had the chance to get out and kind of experiment once they get out there they go oh yeah i didn't realize that uh that could be an issue for me in this situation so we just kind of want to give people some things to think about um to uh before we close up i do want to um give a couple shout outs um i've been kind of sporting their hat here rubber city armory has been awesome to me and mike uh they're an ohio company 
yeah, they're Ohio company. Jeffrey Larson, who um, he's kind of the top dog there. He uh, he's been great to us. He does. They make a great product. Um, so if you need a bolt carrier group and that's in your warehouse, check them out. Uh, there's a lot of good bolt carrier companies. So I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna tell you like that's the only one to buy. But um, I don't know. We got a uh, quite a few of them and quite a few different rifles, and they have been 100% trouble free. I cannot say that about every bolt carrier group I've ever had. I have broken um, bolts before, so um, that's uh, that. I, I not since I've started shooting Rubber City, which is what kind of got me on it. And uh, once I had a broken one, it was like, all right, well, we're buying, we're getting good stuff, and we're not messing around with cheap things when it comes to bolt carrier groups. So uh, Code Evolution sponsors me. Um, they are an awesome handguard, especially for the people who are wanting to shed some weight on a gun. You can make a pretty darn light rifle, and you still got a really rigid handguard. M-Lock on it, so you can put all your accessories on it. Um, within reason, I, I, you know, Mike was talking, I don't think I'd run, um, well, I'd be careful. I'd, I'd check if I was going to run, like, aiming devices and stuff further out on the handguard. Um, they're stiff, but I don't know how how stiff, but um, they they may work. Give give it a shot. So, Mike, anyone you want to thank or anything you want to say before we uh, close up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just uh, I'll mention Jeffrey and RCA again. Uh, they really are fantastic folks up there, and it's not just their bolt carrier groups. You can purchase uh, uh, parts from them if you need to uh, breathe some life into an old carrier. They also offer the Black Knight trading as a standalone surface service. Uh, it's really common. Guys in the LNT group that like the enhanced carriers that are pretty awesome will send them, and Jeffrey will do a Black Nitride treatment to the LMT. Uh, they they do a lot of work for a lot of different folks uh, behind the scenes in the gun industry. So who knows? You might actually have RCA products and not even know it. So, yep, big yeah. thanks to Jeffrey and his crew. Uh, another yeah. big thanks. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I, I should have mentioned that. Actually, they nitrided my uh, older Double Stack 1911, and it, it looks phenomenal. I mean, it, and it's taken a beating, and it still looks phenomenal. So, yeah, that is yep. a, a great service. Yeah, he saved a uh, Glock slide for me. So, uh, yeah, uh, Awesome. Really appreciate the help. Uh, another uh, uh, shop that's helped Ryan and I is Dustin Crute, CB Guns. That dude is awesome. He also has a knack for finding some of the really cool stuff out there. Um, I've seen him get his hands on some really cool suppressors, uh, really cool optics, as well as some really awesome uh, AR parts. So, uh, like forward control designs, I've seen parts forward control receivers, seen Radian, all sorts of really top-notch stuff. So if you're looking for uh, for parts for maybe your next competition gun or uh, maybe a receiver set or something, uh, it never hurts to check out CB Guns. Give Dustin a call or hit him up on Facebook. And if you are a local shooter to us in the southern Ohio area, you can always swing by his shop. He'd be happy to help you out, and uh, he'll help uh, with uh, – I know that he offers a service for uh, suppressor stamps, and I believe he's also helping folks with Form 1s. So, yeah, definitely worth checking yep. out. Awesome guy. And you 
Yeah, he's got a website. So CB, so like charliebravoguns.com is his website. Um, yeah, you could you can get a hold of him there too. And yeah, I've got two cans sitting in jail there waiting for Uncle Sam to give me permission to protect my hearing. So uh, definitely worth uh, checking him out. So um, we're going to close this up. Again, this is the Action Shooting Show. Um, uh, hopefully our next episode will be on low power variable optics, medium power variable optics. If you have a uh, topic or something you want us to talk about, um, please uh, hit us up on social media and um, YouTube, on Instagram, where you know wherever it is at. I'm on Facebook. Mike's on Facebook. Just, just around. And uh, we, we'd love to talk about it. We'll, uh, we know a good deal because we've been shooting competition a long time. We've got a lot to learn still. So especially if there's something we're not real sure about, let us know and we will, we'll find an expert and we'll get them on here and we'll talk to them um, or we'll research it and then get someone on. I mean, we'll, we'd love to, we just love helping people out in the sport and kind of not make the mistakes that we made. You know, they, we've got a lot of equipment that's sitting around not getting used because we bought it thinking this was the be all end all. And then we found out it was not. Yeah. So um, we, we'd like to save you from making those, those decisions. You know, like I said, I bought a cheap bulk here group and it, and it broke on me in the middle of a match. I do not recommend a stage where you have 20 rifle targets and you break after one, you know, that's a good way to sink a, <laughs> a really good match uh, score. Not to mention money and time and effort. So, um, yep. Yep. Thanks for watching and have a great night.